1: And this is Leah, co-founder of Bakesmart. Our canicals are the first edible safety designs for cannabis-infused foods. Anyone from your child to your grandmother will understand when a food is medicated as long as it's marked with our edible green crosses. Hey, Leah. How's it going today? It's going good. Actually, it was going really bad. I was in such a bad mood. But then as soon as I start talking to you, I always feel so much happier. I love <laughs> talking to you. I do. Uh, you always that's like me so so- brighter.
0: Yeah, I just like to, you know, release some kind of chemical through the <laughs> microphone and then it makes you instantly happy it's nothing to do with me as a person i'm a garbage human being <laughs> Don't even be you're listening
2: well whatever, um
1: <laughs> ever you do it works
0: <laughs> yeah it's like this mind control thing too that i work on anyway so we're going to talk about our favorite things as per usual um i'll start this is not really like a discovery per se it's just a recent obsession or no i'd say it's been a long time obsession since i found out about it um There is a documentary out there, I'm sure some of you have heard, uh, called Mary Jean's Film. And we actually had the director, Wendy Borman, on a previous episode. Um, And it's an incredible opportunity to find out about some of these pioneers in the business and why they became um, cannabis advocates and activists and entrepreneurs. And um, Melissa Etheridge is in it. Anyway, I am hosting a screening in uh Maryland, if you're around the state. It's a big state. I should make it more specific, right, Leah? Like,
1: <laughs> it's um, not that big. Yeah. <laughs> you should make it specific.
0: It isn't the biggest state I've ever lived in, but it is big enough that I should probably make it clear that it's in Harford County. Um <laughs> and so the documentary is called Mary jane's The Women of Weed. Um and that is of course if we get enough tickets sold. And so please, 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 please Please come if you can, if you're in the area. Um, This is an awesome opportunity to just support women in this industry and to find out about things and and reasons why people are in it and why they're passionate about the plant. Um, So yeah, check it out. And now it's your turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I well, I really want to see that uh, Women in Weed, and I missed the um, showing here because I was out of town. Oh no! So I'm excited to hear what you think about it. Yeah, because I heard it's really good. You so, should host one. Lucky you! You should host your I'm own screening, Leah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is well, one of the things I love about us hosting this podcast is we meet some amazing women who are doing some amazing things. And, um, I was lucky enough to interview Ashley Dillinger, who is the founder of the CBD wellness shop. And she has, uh, taken, she's kind of a distributor and I think she's planning on having a store here in Portland. Um, but for now she has a beautiful online shop. It's called Lumi CBD wellness shop, but the, uh, Website is CBD Wellness Shop. So there's three S's there. Co. Not com. So CBD Wellness Shop.co. It's a beautiful site. She's done an amazing job and she's got some fantastic uh, products. What I love about her products is she's really vetted them well so that she has the best of the best. Um, she's even got CBD flour. Mm-hmm. You can buy up to a pound of CBD flour and it's beautiful flour. She does pre rolls. I've um, really done some price comparison, Mm -hmm. and she has really reasonable prices, um, some a lot lower than you're going to find elsewhere. And what I love about it is her goal is to get CBD into the hands of everyone. Mm -hmm. So even people who can't afford to buy any they can go onto her site and apply to get free product Mm -hmm. um and then if you are feeling generous um which i've done you go on and you can pay it forward so you can just make a donation and she uses that towards other people getting free product. so she's really doing an amazing thing not only does she have these great products that she's vetted so it's the best of the best but she's also giving back and she has education. So if you have questions about CBD, not really sure about some certain things, she's got some great um, vendor stories about the different products. She's got a little recipe about CBD golden milk and I love golden milk. So I can't wait to make this Um, herbs versus botanicals. What's the difference? Just some really nice articles Mm -hmm. here. And, And like I said, It's beautiful. She's done an amazing job. So I really encourage our listeners to go check it out. If you're into CBD, looking for some great CBD products, be sure to go to her website. Again, it's CBDwellnessshop.co and check it out. And if you do have a little bit of extra money, donate because it's going to a really great cause. And if you're in a position where you really need CBD, but you don't have the funds, Go on there and apply for CB uh, free CBD because she is very motivated to get into the hands of everyone, which I just loved about her. And I can't wait for her interview to come on in the next uh, few weeks because I think that uh, people are going to love hearing her story and hearing how she got started. That's awesome.
0: And uh, we'll
1: have links
0: to that in the recap as well as um, we'll be promoting on our social media that and the documentary. So uh, look for those if you can. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, be sure to visit the social media platforms because we do um, advertise mm-hmm. quite a bit on there. And we do share links and we share um, information about not only our guests, but also our reviews. So our social media is a great yeah, way absolutely. to uh, follow up on. Things. So
0: today we're going to talk about so some, I guess, your favorite topic. Um... <laughs> yes, okay. it is. It's my favorite topic. All right. Well, there you go. Um, We're going to talk about kicking fear's ass to move on to success. Yes. Um, Yes. Got to kick it. i just thought about that like song mm-hmm. you gotta lick it before you kick it that's like 90s anyway <laughs>
1: um,
0: that's i thought that was funny so anyway back to yeah. what we're talking about <laughs> fear can be debilitating um as as a lot of people know especially if you have anxiety or anything really any, any kind of um extra stressor in your life It it's, fear can really
1: be all-consuming um so, oh, it can. Well, especially as an entrepreneur, you're going to face fear almost on a daily basis in some way. I'd say an hourly. Some shape, basis, I think
0: you know. <laughs> for some people, I think it is. Yeah, it's like it's, an hourly thing. It's just, it's it's a lot to deal with. Um. So where do you start, and how do you climb out of that uh, that pit of fear? Well, we don't have all the answers, but we have some things that you can consider. And the first one, Um, the first one is, you know, you will not die if your business doesn't succeed. Um, It's like we all have this fight or flight response and it makes us think that the world's going to end if if we fail. But the thing is, is that we can actually use some of the things that we go through or all of the things we go through to shape us as a as a better person and an entrepreneur in the future. So, it might not seem like it in the moment. You might be like, yeah, okay, that's great. I don't want to hear that. But it's true. Later on you'll say, you know what? Oh, it is. That was really awful. I mean, I can't count how many times I said, I don't think I can write anymore. I'm a garbage writer. Like, don't, I just can't. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> or I can't do, you know, whatever job it is. It's I I have imposter syndrome seriously a, a lot. Um, so I understand this one and
1: no, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, you feel you, honestly, I had a really bad situation happen just this past month where one of our products that was our newest products, it just wasn't R&D enough and it failed and it was an Mm -hmm. epic fail. Um, and our client lost thousands and thousands of dollars and we lost thousands of dollars in product. And it was just this just perfect storm of all these things that went wrong. And I literally was having the most extreme panic attacks Mm -hmm. I've ever had in my life. And I didn't even know what I was going to do. I was like, Oh shit, this is over this. We are, we are done. But thankfully there were some good things that came out of it. I mean, obviously the R&D with the manufacturer, they thought they did enough and they didn't. So, you know, now thankfully we're going Mm -hmm. back and doing more. I had a client who was amazing and she was a woman and she actually wasn't the owner of, of the business that we were working with, but she was, you know, the manager and she was so great to me during it all. She knew this was you know, beyond my control. She knew it wasn't on purpose and she really helped me um, and was so supportive. And I thought, gosh, as women, when we get together and something happens, you know, we've got to support each other. Even if we're Mm -hmm. on the losing end of what's happening, we have to really step outside of ourselves and support each other. It meant so much to me that she was there for me and wasn't like, hey, Leah, you suck and your, your business sucks. She was more like, wow, this this is beyond your control. I totally get that. And how do we get past this? And so we've worked through it and we're still working together. And it's, it was a really great, um, outcome for me, but during the whole thing, it was so awful. I was like, I literally felt like my heart, like I was Mm going to have a heart attack. I thought, Oh my God, because especially as women, I think, and I'm generalizing of course, but we're more nurturing, mm-hmm. we're more caretaking. And so when something goes wrong, we're like, oh my God, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is my baby. What am I gonna do? And it it just becomes so much bigger. But the reality is, I mean, even if I would have lost my whole business, am I going to die? No, I'm not going to die. You just put on your big girl boots and they're all muddy and torn up, but you put them on and you go, Okay, I'm just gonna have to mm-hmm. take next steps and you know, go from here. But it's it's so upsetting and debilitating in the moment, yeah. as you know. And it- you know, when you... I've had some really rough criticism in the past, just
0: from any, any industry I've worked in, you know, and I, some of it is unnecessarily cruel. And that's when you have to recognize, like, sometimes it's, it's about that person and not you, but you can oh, learn definitely. from that as well. You can learn from definitely. that. Um Because there's been times where people are like, nobody cares about this, this thing that you're writing about. I've had basically people say, nobody cares. (laughs) Why do they care? And all that did was, at first I was spun out of control, of course, you know, like, what? I don't, what am I even doing? Nobody cares. Um, But then it goes, you know, reel myself back and say, no, people do care, because obviously this affects thousands of people, or else I wouldn't be writing about it. Like, this is, this is something that affects people it affects me it, it it affects other people. it's important, and then just find out why you know what what can make somebody care about this thing like for five minutes or however long, and then just really zooming in on that, so I learned something from that you know it's like maybe I'm just not packaging that idea the right way
1: right uh, right and right. And, it, and that's hard to step away, especially with so that criticism because I mean i I. Yeah. Right. I was just going to say, like, I feel for you because you're like an actor, that you're putting yourself out there. Everything you do is your own mm-hmm. personal work, and that takes a lot of strength and a lot of confidence to do. And and that's hard, I'm sure, when you get mm-hmm. criticism like that. But again, I agree with you. In, in every piece of criticism, there's a small grain of truth, and you've just got to look at that and go, like you said, well, how okay, so this is the criticism. Now, how can I turn this into Mm -hmm. a positive for myself?
0: Yeah, and I'm going to jump out of order here and say that one of the takeaways, because this goes along with what I was just saying, um, is to surround yourself with positive people who encourage and don't discourage you. I've had um, mentors, writing mentors and editors and, and accountability partners who have taken just a pile of crap, you know, because I know I can do better, And I I was too attached to it and and too close to it. And and I couldn't see and said, look, this is the positive. you put a lot of information into this. You could tell you're passionate, you know, and they start with the positive and they build me up, build me up and then say, you know what, but you can do better than this basically. And they say it in a way that's very constructive and not, um, wait a minute, did I say that right? Is it constructive and, (laughs) and not destructive, you know? Yeah. Right.
1: It's constructive criticism. And not destructive. Right. Exactly. And there and that's and that's what we have to remember too when we're when we're being with our peers, mm-hmm. you know, be a success partner, not, you know, a critic a criticism partner. Because we all deal with criticism every single day, but we need a success partner. And that doesn't mean you right. have to be Pollyanna all the time and go, right. Oh, what you're doing is great. But it's how are you saying mm-hmm. what you're saying? You know, to other people, and then how are you taking what other people say to you too? And it's like you said, like I know you've told me in the past, it takes you a couple days. Like you'll hear yeah. your criticism, and it's like bah. but then you take a couple days, you go okay, and that's important. You know, mm-hmm. take some time, think about it, really look at it. Like you said, turn it and go, okay, well maybe I wasn't, maybe I'm not getting it out the way right. I think I should be or I need to be. You know, maybe I'm not yeah. highlighting what needs to be highlighted, and I'll perfectly find things to to hear but right because sometimes i'll look back and i'll go oh wow yeah no this is this is not good
0: (laughs) and at the time i thought oh man this is i'm breaking a news story or i'm doing this or that this is this is it but i was just too close to it and i didn't you know I, i didn't step back and then you just have to do that and some people are really good at doing that right away.
1: It takes me a while, um,
0: <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm trying no, to get definitely.
1: there. So. <laughs> well, it's hard. You're always working on yourself and and that's okay. Yeah. But I think that our next one, some of your best ideas come out of your worst disasters. That is so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, fear can prevent you from going forward and even trying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to try and sometimes we're going to fail, but sometimes those failures are your best um I don't know outcomes Mm -hmm. like Abigail who's going to be on the show she was fired from her job um and then it led her to create what she has now you know this consulting business Mm -hmm. and she's doing great and she's out there doing exactly what she loves to do and I know for me the same thing I got laid off and that's when I moved to Oregon and started um started, uh, the edibles business. I mean, I always thought that I was going to be an executive assistant. I loved what I did. I was making really, really good money, but sometimes you're like, you know what? It's sometimes fear is a lot more subtle. It's like, Oh, I don't want to do this because I'm not sure I would succeed Mm -hmm. or, Oh, I don't have the money or, Oh, I don't have the time. And sometimes when you're just thrown into it, okay, I've got the time, I'm just going to do it. And that really helps you break through that. So Mm -hmm. look at fear sometimes like almost like somebody who's holding you back it's it's not that the fear is validated or it's going to it's not like fear is a prediction of what's going to happen fear is just your own insecurity saying no but it can be though if you if
0: you allow it to undermine your success it can be a predictor of failure and so you have to be careful of that because we all get caught in that in that trap it's very easy i think to get caught in that trap um and instead say like look this really, really sucked. But what is the highlight of this? You know, what can I learn from this? Because if you really are passionate about this industry, and this is what you really want to do, then you have to look back and oh, say, yeah. like, why am I doing this? And, and, you know, kind of just refocus a bit. Um, but then not to go off topic, but you do have to do that a little bit. And then I think that it's easier said than done, especially when you get into the imposter syndrome territory, which is what we're going to talk about next. Um, Right. You, you, (sighs) imposter syndrome is very sneaky in my opinion. It's like, you were just talking about how fear can be very subtle and an imposter syndrome, you know, it's like, you're always looking unintentionally. You're always finding ways to undermine yourself because you're, you don't think you deserve whatever it is, whatever success it is, you know? And I think that really holds a lot of us back um and it can not just hold us back but it can also be like detrimental to our careers you know in some instances
1: oh definitely not acknowledging, like, your successes, too. Not acknowledging, like, how far you've come. Um, you know, a lot of times you hear people like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not really an expert. And it's like, yeah, but you've been creating CBD products for three years mm-hmm. and you've been on the market and you, you've got these great products. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. you know, I guess so. I mean, and that's the thing. We have to remind each other. It's like, no, you, you actually do have a lot yeah. to offer and you're not an imposter. You're a human being I think with real experiences yeah,
0: and you deserve to be heard and you deserve to share whatever it is that you're trying to share with the world um
1: and especially if you believe in something like you know like like for me with marking edibles a lot of people cannot get mm -hmm. behind that but they will eventually because it's it's Mm -hmm. necessary and i mean i feel like my head is bloody from banging it against a wall trying to get people to mark their edibles but that's okay it's something i really truly Mm -hmm. believe in um And it's just like with your writing, too. You write about what you truly 100% Mm -hmm. believe in, and it shows. Thank you. Same to you. You're
0: amazing. You're so awesome. Um, Speaking of (laughs) awesome people, though, and talking about imposter syndrome, we have an article to reference here, um, or an essay article. Anyway, um, Adelia, who is the founder of DCN, the Direct Cannabis Network, who we've had on here a couple of times, and we are big fans of... Big fan. She's She's so awesome. Anyway, she wrote a piece for Medium about inevitable the inevitable imposter syndrome and she speaks about her own experience with it but she has some really great takeaways here um that we're going to talk about a little bit and the first one is to let it go or let go she says but we're, we're going to talk about just letting it go um that can be... Because we like frozen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, I, I'm not singing. I'm not going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> so, and we can't afford to sample that music. <laughs> right. Um, but we're going to talk about, so letting it go, it's like, there. If, if you're in it for whatever reason you're in this for, that drives you every day, you know, the, the rest of it is all bullshit you know, it's like, at the end of the day, you don't need to hear everyone's opinions about what you're doing. You know, it's like, you know why you're in it. And this is that's really all that matters.
1: Right. Right. Um, And it's so true. Yeah. But you know, and then I love what she says here, keeping a file of People saying nice things about the company or yourself—that's always even if even if someone says it verbally. Like I have a little diary sometimes, you know, just write it down. Mm -hmm. Oh, I felt really good because so and so, you know, said this. Um, I think it's important. (laughs) I do. I journal. It's important to get up and journal because obviously that is really. I never believed it that it, it spurns I'm going off topic, but I never believed it that it would spurn ideas, but it actually does. If you wake up first thing and just kind of start journaling, mm-hmm. um, when your subconscious and your conscious are still kind of connected, it really helps you. I have had my best ideas early in the morning when I wake up and I just am like blah stream of consciousness. Oh, that's good for you. Um <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I would be I would be the one doing oh, it like midnight yeah.
1: because in the morning my brain's not even I... on at all. So Right. Well, some people I know. I'm a morning person, so I can do that. Sometimes at night, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. but you're good at night. Mm -hmm. You're always like snapping on all cylinders at Mm -hmm. night. So yeah, you could do it at night before you go to bed. I'm a vampire. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) all
0: right. So back to the topic. So yeah, keep a file of what people are saying about you that are that are nice things. I mean, that's a great idea. I never even thought about doing that to be honest. Um, And I think that's a good idea to keep up. It really is. Um and another one that she points out is to appreciate your progress. Um, and we talk about that a lot, you know, but and we, we already really touched on it, but you have to look at what you have done, you know, and, and, and celebrate that, you know, it sounds cheesy, but you, you have to be like, look, I, I did the damn thing, you know, and <laughs> it, it might not have gone the way you wanted it to. It might not have gone in any direction you you wanted it to but you did the work you showed up every day be proud of yourself you know look at that as an right. accomplishment i think that's a big deal um because you have to keep going every day right so how are you going to do that you have to appreciate what you have done that is good that is an accomplishment and an accomplishment can be anything that's a relative term you know it could be Right. Uh, It could be just that you worked that day, you know, or that you got some time to answer emails. It could be
1: (laughs) anything. It could be so many different things. I mean, it's, it's the little successes that help you and you've got to acknowledge it. It's like sometimes just the fact that I was able to, you know, like you said, get through my emails and answer some calls. And at the end of the day, I don't feel like I got anything done, but you look back and you're like, you know what? I got up, I worked and I'm, every day it's going towards something bigger
0: and and don't try to compare yourself to other people um you know it's it's hard not to do because one of our other guests today is mandy tingler and she is uh definitely somebody that has a lot of uh pokes in the iron or irons in the fire as they say how did
1: i don't know however the saying goes she has a lot yeah she wears a lot of hats like wonder Woman. She's like, I don't even think she's human. She does so much. She's amazing. I know. And like, there's so many balls and I'm just like, wow, you are amazing. And I was finding
0: myself comparing, you know, oh man, I don't even have half of the things going on as she does. And I can't even get through half of the things that I have to do every day. So, but that's not the right attitude to have because that only holds you back. It's like, how can I try to you know, step up my game this year. Um, And that's what I'm working on. So I'm going to turn that, you know, jealousy for lack of a better word, because it is kind of like a a jealousy, but it's a a healthy jealousy, you know, I think in a sense, because it can drive you to, you know, to do more if you look at it the right way, if you use it in the right way.
1: Right. I mean, and, and it's just, I mean, jealousy, it really, it's That's like a more negative accurate. connotation. Yeah. Right? You want to just admire people. And of course, I mean, it's so natural to feel jealousy. We all feel it. Like I'll just be reading something and I'll go, Oh my God, they got an article. Damn. Why is nobody interviewing me? And it's easy to do, but I, you know, it's not about wishing the other person bad karma. It's just about, okay. It makes you think, all right, so what can I do to get right? In, it, it, art, you know, to these yeah. magazines, what, what are the steps I can take? Just take it as encouragement um, mm-hmm. because we're all just doing our best and we all really want to support each other. And of course it's natural to feel jealous, but you know, take your jealousy and go, okay, felt jealous. Now, how can I turn that into a positive and mm-hmm. always wish the other person well, because it, it just elevates you when you're mm-hmm. sending out positive, you know, energy yeah. towards someone else. You're just elevating yourself. Honest right. Because
0: like negativity breeds negativity, right?
1: So it, it, just, it really does. I mean, it's not even woo-woo. It's just it, it's what it's happens. The truth. If that's what you're if that's what you're doing. If you're negative, 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 then that's all you're gonna get. But when you're positive and positive, even when negative things come through, it's like, oh well, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Keep going.
0: Right. Like Scrubs had an episode one time <laughs> just because th- I am just <laughs> thinking about the negativity, like how, you know, one person starts off in a bad mood and says something just kind of nasty un you know, just n- unwarranted to somebody. And it just starts a chain of negativity. And that starts a chain of bad events because that's what happens. You know, it's like you set off right. like the butterfly effect, you know, it's like you have, you say you put that out there and it affects other people. And that, goes on and on and on and on and
1: but, it affects you i mm-hmm. mean because it it affects you too because then you're surround, you've you know you're surrounding yourself with negative people and that's that's also one of our our you know or is it a takeaway maybe we mm-hmm. didn't put it on there but you know just surrounding yourself again with positive people and don't surround yourself with low energy people that's mm-hmm. such a Thing because if you do, if you surround it like my mom, she lives in fear. Oh my gosh, you're gonna do that. Oh my gosh, you're gonna. And I cannot share stuff with her because then I start feeling panicky. Like, mm-hmm. oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be this. Oh my god, no. And so you really need to surround yourself with people who are going to look at what you're doing and go, wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And you know, go, go you, or how can I help? Mm-hmm. Or you know, do you need anything or things like that? You want a success partner. Um, you want who is just constantly going to be moving forward with you. And like like you and I, you know, we encourage each other. And I love that about our relationship. Even though we're in two separate fields, we're doing two separate things. We're both in that space of, hey, we're going places. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take away from either one of us. And like, you'll give me advice and I give you advice. And when I'm giving you advice, I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to take that advice. Mm-hmm. I, I actually need to listen to what I'm saying and sharing. Yeah. So it's just really important to yeah. always, you know, be that person. And and that will really start eliminating fear. If you can do all these things, if you surround yourself with positive people, if you, you know, know you're not going to die, mm-hmm. if you know it's okay to be an imposter, you, you have to act. Sometimes you have to act. I mean, you've got to be somewhat of an imposter in some ways. It's like, if I don't think that I'm really good, nobody else is. So I've, I've got to sit there and go, hey, even if I don't feel it, I have to go, you know what? I'm the shit. Yeah. And get out of my way. Yeah. I, I'm I'm going places. Yeah,
0: and it's a it's a it's a stark it's a stark realization, you know. I, it's it's for me be, about how bad I am at this because uh, I'm promoting my own self and, and and what I do. When I'm talking to people, I say, "Oh yeah, I did this and this," and they're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh wow!" It's like, "What? That's no big deal," <laughs> uh, you know. And and I just I'm just so quick to write it off and and dismiss it, and that's a natural impulse that I need to learn to look at it another way yeah you know it's like uh just like we we're just talking about it earlier we just need to like take our take a step back and say you know instead of saying oh mandy has two kids and she does all of this stuff i should say because we wouldn't do that with a man right and we're projecting our right. own internalized stuff that we have when we do that and and that just makes right. that puts limitations on us as women which we don't need so instead of saying right. that be mm-hmm. like "Okay, she's awesome." and I'm going to look to her as an example of how to be awesome and and be more awesome in the future, you know? So
1: that's exactly right.
0: And, and and I'm, I'm lucky to have people like you and, and, and to be able to interview people like her and and just get this like jolt of accountability and inspiration. And it's just great.
1: I love it. Um, so no, that's that's one of the benefits of this podcast. I mean, I hope everyone else that's listening feels the same way. But we are just so blessed that we meet so many amazing women um, who are doing great things in the space. And some of them small, some of them really big. Um, just lots of different ranges, and it's an honor to be able to to talk to some of these ladies. Well, all, all of these them, yeah. <laughs> It's just I don't get to, I don't talk to them as much as you do, so that's why. I
0: Interviewer, I I don't I don't wrap up well. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you are still listening, and um, we appreciate any support that we we get, and we're here to return it. So please reach out to us if you want, you know, feedback on an idea, even, or you want to tell us how we could do better. Uh, we're here for it. So send us an email. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, um, and send us emails at your highness podcast at com. and let us know how we're doing, let us know how we can do better, let us know how we can include you, um, because that's what we want to do, we really do want to do that, that's why we're here, and that's why we do this, um, so. Yeah. And so until next time, you know, keep
1: doing what you're doing out there. <laughs> uh, don't let fear bite you in the right. ass. Just keep swimming. Keep, like Dory says. Keep swimming. Keep swimming. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dory oh, from Okay. Bio. I didn't get that reference. I didn't, I didn't, I,
0: I've never seen that one. Okay. Anyway. Uh Yeah. Well, all, all good right. things. <laughs> all <laughs> right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by LeafBuyer.com. LeafBuyer.com is the nation's leading cannabis deals database, where finding a great price is easy. On top of scoring that awesome deal, LeafBuyer.com is also an excellent online source for lifestyle strain and dispensary information. Or perhaps you own a cannabis business. LeafBuyer has a suite of marketing solutions to help you succeed. Solutions include showcasing your business to millions of consumers online, retaining your customers with loyalty and texting programs, and more. Leafbuyer.com helping cannabis consumers and businesses connect.
0: Our first guest is Mandy Tingler. Mandy is the Chief of Operations of Cameo Manufacturing and previously served as the Director of Business Development at Papa and Barkley. She also holds one of the 19 board seats on the National Cannabis Industry Association Board of Directors, where she helps advocate for the cannabis industry on a national platform. She is also president of the CREA Society a groundbreaking group of female cannabis executives who advocate for common sense. Cannabis laws is president for cannamami.org and is the vice chair for the eating gathering. Mandy is also an active member of the California growers association, golden state distribution and California cannabis industry association. She is a human rights advocate and cannabis law lobbyist, and she's helping shape the future of cannabis. So Mandy, what is Kamia Manufacturing, and what does your job entail?
2: So I am the Chief of Operations and one of the three founding board members at Kamia. Kamia is a manufacturing company that is uh, start, in startup mode in the Sacramento area, and my business partners are uh, Kimberly Cargile, who is the Executive Director and Founder of a Therapeutic Alternative Dispensary as well as Mindy Galloway, who has been the president of the Yolo County Cannabis Coalition. Um, and then Kimberly also has been on a number of different uh, boards, as well as a huge advocate for the cannabis space throughout Northern California. Um, and she has helped co-found recently, in the, over this past year, four other dispensaries in Riverbank, Davis, Dixon, and they're looking at a place in Modesto now. So it's really exciting. And then she's also very heavily involved in cultivation. So we have a, quite a powerhouse uh, team of leading ladies at Camiya. But Camiya um, really is going to be a mothership home space for a lot of different manufacturing companies that were struggling with making it into the regulated marketplace Um, So what we're doing is we're actually connecting with a lot of former companies that had a pretty good following and were manufacturing products that the industry just loved. And we're bringing them underneath our mothership and and putting them back to work under our licensure to bring their wonderful products back to the industry and to also get many of our beloved cannabis industry members back to work.
0: Okay, awesome. And what what does your job exactly entail
2: with um, Kamia? What do you? With Kamia? So I'm the chief of mm-hmm. operations. Uh, my job to essentially meet with all of our suppliers that we intend to bring on. And then we, or excuse me, my job is going to be to make sure that we have a steady um, go-to-market plan within our sales and marketing team. And to um, help come up with our processes and procedures for operations.
0: So, in addition to Camille, you have a lot of other jobs and positions. So, let's start with the first. Um, (laughs) It's going to be a lot we're going through here. I don't know how you do it all. (laughs) How did you become? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My co host was saying that too. We're like, how does what? How many of her is there? (laughs) Um, How did. Yeah. How did you become appointed as a member of the National Cannabis Industry Association Board of Directors? I just want to say the whole name because not everybody knows, but a lot of people know it as NCIA, um, the Board of Directors for them.
2: Right. So um, this past year, I was nominated during the election process, um, which was uh, just absolutely wonderful surprise that, you know, someone thought highly enough to nominate me for the election. Um, And then I actually didn't win the election. There was a lot of incumbents that were up for reelection. And um, when the voting was actually complete, I, you had to get, I believe it was 9% of the vote or something along those lines. And I had gotten just a hair under Um, However, after the election, two of the board members that were not up for re-election but were still in their spot had decided to step down and the board um, actually unanimously voted that I be appointed to the open spot um, as well as one of my other colleagues. And since then, we have been... Working really steadily with legislative directors to try and help make a larger imprint um, for cannabis legislation on a national level. We've also started a political action committee where we are currently raising funds to help support campaigns and get people elected to uh, positions in office that they would be able to help positively impact the legislation that's created for our industry. Um, You know, obviously very forward focused on you know, banking and legislation that makes sense for all states on a national level, and then the descheduling of cannabis as a whole. That's a lot. <laughs> Thank it you so much.
1: Lot.
0: That's a lot of work that we all appreciate so much. Um, and you just have so it's much important work. work. Right. You're doing yeah, so much important, the important work. work. Mm-hmm. For I sure. Think it's so
2: easy because, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, Um, each state has had to operate completely independently and there hasn't been a lot of crossover or a lot of, there hasn't been enough talk about national expansion and what that needs to look like because, you know, we've been so afraid of the federal government for so long, but Right now, it's it's a very critical time that all of the states start banning together and really rising up and encouraging people's voices to be heard and spending a lot of time uh, providing education to people who are naysayers against our industry. I find that the more time and effort we put into educating the general public, the more the stigma goes away with cannabis, right? Um. And the more that we spend time and energy getting lawmakers, especially uh, Republican lawmakers that are maybe not cannabis forward, um, getting them to understand that cannabis is not just about a euphoric experience, but it's definitely got a lot of medicinal value and helping them get firsthand experiences with it has really been the key, I think. Uh, But it's just important work. Everybody on that board is absolutely amazing in their own capacity. They are all industry business leaders and owners that have amazing hearts and they're community minded and they really want to see national legislation make sense for everybody. Cause it's wonderful to be a part of an organization that just has so many heart-centered leaders. I bet
0: it's that's incredible. Um, So speaking of incredible work, there's more that you're dealing with here. (laughs) Um, You have so much going on, right? What is the, and I hope I pronounced this correctly. What is the Kriya society? Is that correct?
2: You got it right. So the Kriya society was formed uh, the very beginning of 2017 Uh, We have nine founding members and basically what had happened and what kind of drove us to start that was over the last, you know, three to four years in the industry, I've had an opportunity to speak to a lot of female business owners. And especially here in the greater Sacramento area, what I was finding is that a lot of these female business owners were charismatic Uh, caring, enthusiastic, and passionate about our industry, but they all felt like they were having to compete against each other, or they weren't um, understanding that all of them were going through the same trials and tribulations, and that they could be huge support systems to one another. So um, I actually formed the Crea Society through a desire to create a stronger sense of female community in, uh, in cannabis leadership. So I invited nine women to come to a retreat one weekend, I believe it was in February of this year, and we sat down for two days, spent a lot of time talking about The struggles within our particular areas of expertise and got these women to make a commitment to one another to support each other exclusively through this next calendar year. And to go to each other's business special events, um, to support each other's charities and causes, and to really rally behind one another. And through that process, this year has been absolutely filled with just amazing growth. Um, Everyone's businesses have just risen together. And it's been such a nice opportunity to see these ladies Um, really become sisters in the Sacramento cannabis space. So um, last year has just been filled with a ton of sisterhood, a ton of love, Um, definitely a lot of the trials and tribulations, but we've all been able to hold each other's hands and kind of cheer and cry along the way together. And it's been such a nice element to know that you're not alone through all of these hardships. I mean, the people who went through this last year of licensure and regulation, um, they really are the pioneers. You know, I I always um, tell these ladies that they inspire me because they're, they're making history. We all are. And the women of the Korea society um, are dedicated to Really, being voices for our industry, we all spend a lot of time doing advocacy and education work, um, and we're all just very passionate about preserving the history of the cannabis space and also creating and paving the way for a successful future for everyone.
0: That's amazing, and I think that uh, past guests is actually involved. Um, Eliza, right? Isn't she in there? Um, yes eliza
2: is yes she is a part of the creative society awesome she is um
0: so that is really incredible and i love that whole thing that you just said is amazing
2: (laughs) i just love it it's just so great thank you yeah it's needed you know oftentimes we we as women we spend too much time feeling like we have to compete side by side instead of you know linking arms and 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 creating a unbreakable bond you know like i was saying everyone's, everyone's faced the, the same challenges and you know when one of us finds an answer or a solution to the challenge we've been able to share that wealth of knowledge and everyone's just risen together it's been a beautiful that's incredible beautiful ride um
0: so what does your work with canamami.org entail
2: Oh, yeah. So Canamami is an amazing charity that was actually founded by my girl, Kelly Bruce. Mm -hmm. She's up in the Humboldt area. Her and her husband own a cultivation site. um, It's owned by Canamami. And basically what they do is through their cultivation, uh, they take the proceeds from their they're farmed goods and they manufacture a number of different products for mothers to utilize um, during uh, pregnancy. So they use uh, bath bombs and topicals and a couple of different uh, tinctures and things along those lines to help mothers uh, deal with symptoms or or challenges during pregnancy. So um, the entire platform of the organization is to help fight for a mother's right to choose plants over pills um, during pregnancy and throughout all of motherhood, right? There's been such um, a small amount of research to show what the true effects of cannabis uh, use during pregnancy and delivery and and beyond. Uh, we don't really know what the true outcomes are. All we know is that we've been fed a lot of hype over the years. And so Canamami really advocates for, um, like I said, the right for a mother to choose plants over pills and uh, provides uh, access to safe products for moms to use during pregnancy, um, you can actually go on canamami.com and buy some of these manufactured goods and then uh, the proceeds go to Cannamami.org. Um, canamami.org is also to help um, provide some legal services and uh, obviously a lot of medical or medicinal information about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system and, and how cannabis works with the body um and within that we also are able to provide a lot of support to moms who are maybe feeling pressure from their physicians or need someone to speak with a physician provide some advocacy and education along those lines um it's a really unique opportunity it is it is highly controversial um, cannabis and motherhood is something that you know is it's very stereotypical right if you cannabis user and you're a mom, somehow you must be doing your doing your job incorrectly or you must be letting your kids down on some level. Um but you know at Canom Mommy we spend a lot of time talking about the the Chardonnay moms, right? And why is it different for someone to go and have a play date with their kids and drink a bottle of wine, as opposed to, you know, utilizing a vape pen or a a bite of an edible or something along those lines. Um, And so we're really opening up that dialogue about, you know, being able to medicate as a mother and educating the general public that cannabis use doesn't make you a bad mom. And matter of fact, in many circumstances, it can make you a better mom. Uh, For me, as a mom. And I actually really deal with a lot of anxiety on a day-to-day basis, just with my high level of stress with work. I have two kids who are extremely active and I be mean my best self for them. So sometimes I come home and I've had a, you know, a long, rough day and I don't want to um, to be snapping at them. I want to have better patience. I want to be able to really focus on what their needs are. A lot of times I'm able to come home and utilize a tincture or maybe a vape pen or something, and it just kind of helps me refocus. It helps me leave work behind, and I'm not walking around in a fog where I'm not functional whatsoever. It just really kind of helps settle things down, and I'm able to find more patience, and I'm able to find a lot more laughter with my kids, too. I think that really lightens the mood and lets me focus on them as opposed to being sidetracked with every every other thing that I could possibly preoccupy right. myself totally. with.
0: <laughs> um, so, and, and hearing that you have two kids, that makes me feel even worse. <laughs> I need to get more, I need to get some more of my life here. All right. Um, so how can a person get involved with Eden's Gathering? And what is it?
2: So the Eden Gathering is a really neat organization in Sacramento as well. It was founded by um, my partner at Camia, Mindy Galloway. She's the president of the organization. And essentially, we wanted to provide an organization that women who wanted to get into the cannabis space could come and provide, and we would provide them some support through um learning opportunities so a lot of the women who have come to the eden gathering have participated in various community events with us we we put on a movie premiere actually just a few months back in sacramento we did the premiere of the women of weed movie at the um the crest theater in sacramento And we did a whole art show and it was an absolutely wonderful event. And so what we did is we encourage women who are trying to find uh, employment in the cannabis space to come and volunteer at our events. And they oftentimes wind up meeting different people, uh, maybe a dispensary owner or distribution company owner. Um, and have an opportunity to interact with them face-to-face, one-on-one. And it's, um, in a lot of ways, it it can be a a long job interview, if you will. It's an opportunity to network with women who are in leadership positions in the industry because those are the women who are uh, running the Eden, Eden Gathering. It's an opportunity for women to get their foot in the door, to learn about the operations of the different uh, companies in our industry and find a home for themselves in our industry, and um, a lot of times, you know, getting a job in the cannabis space really comes down to doing your research and 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 meeting people. Right? I've never met an industry that was more um, more focused on, or more. Uh, connected to hiring people that they've spent time with, right? Everybody wants to feel like they're, yeah. And, you know, this industry has been persecuted so much for so long that, you know, a lot of the business owners really struggle with trust. And so I think the Eden Gathering provides an opportunity for uh, business owners to meet with individuals and spend time with them over time and see that they are really, and and trustworthy and that they're you know coachable um, and we just like doing really amazing events for the space up here we do a lot of advocacy work and I think that probably what we've been best known for is doing a lot of advocacy and education and it's it's just different organizations have a different way of presenting their their education and it's important to have it coming from different directions you never know who's willing to that's listen right. to what mm-hmm. you know
0: that's very true I do know that <laughs> I'm always surprised when people tell me they listen to this so hey you know I get it <laughs> there's it's it's, it's a yeah. small world and that's really cool yeah. I think that is, is a very awesome opportunity and so who how can people get involved with it like where is there an uh, posting online. Yeah,
2: so the Eden Gathering um, actually has a small informal website, and just look up the Eden Gathering in Sacramento, uh, and then reach out to us through the website. Um, you can actually also send an email to Mindy, which is just Mindy dot Galloway at. Kamiya, K-H-E-M-I-A, manufacturing.com. And she will add you to our email list. And Mindy is really great at keeping people up to speed about what kind of events we're putting on. Um, You also can feel free to come to any of the Sacramento City stakeholder meetings. You'll see us sitting there in the front row feel free to come up and introduce yourselves and say, hi, we would love to meet new people. Um, and yeah, we just got all kinds of cool things coming down the pipeline. We're going to be doing a couple of other cannabis friendly movie premieres throughout the course of 2019. We've got several business launches that are coming up where we're going to be doing some um, job fairs later this year, um, probably in the summer and it's it's an exciting time so definitely reach out to us that's amazing
0: um so with everything that you have going on and you're exhausting me already <laughs> i'm exhausted <laughs> No I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> i get tired thinking right? about it sometimes
0: <laughs> so let's get down to the bottom of it how do you manage being involved in so many aspects of the cannabis industry Obviously you don't have to give away all
2: your stuff Yeah. So <laughs> I know I know, right? The tricks of the trade, the million dollar question. Um I think that I just I care and yeah. you know everybody industry is grinding right now. Um I will tell you that no matter what someone's reason is for being in this industry at this point in time, we're all here making history and it's important. It's a responsibility mm-hmm. that we've all taken on and we take very seriously. For me, it's about passion and, um, you know, time management, obviously, which is interesting. I my, Here's a funny thing. So, um, you know, when I first went to work in this industry, my parents made some joke about becoming a stoner and, and not working hard anymore. And I said, I'm going to have to work 10 times harder because um, I want no one to ever be able to call me a stoner that is non-functional. I'm proud to wear a very successful cap as a stoner. That's amazing. Yeah. That's right. I work with right. a lot of successful women who consume cannabis and they're amazing. They're literally probably some of the most amazing and inspirational women I've ever met. So they inspire me to do what I do on a daily basis. I am not a person that really says no very often. And I think that that in itself, um, is what a true leader does. Uh, they don't say no to important opportunities and all of these things are important. so as long as it keeps mattering to other people, it's going to matter to me. And that is my driving force. Um, and I think at the end of the day, uh, I have an obligation to be a strong voice for our industry and, and to utilize that voice to empower other people to become voices for our industry. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's amazing. Um, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs in this industry that are just getting into it for the first time?
2: Yeah, I sure do. Um, so number one, Make sure you go out there and you start introducing yourself to people. Um, Don't be afraid to volunteer for things. A lot of these industry trade shows like MJ BizCon or NCIA or CCIA or the Cal Growers Association, they're always looking for volunteers for their different events and conferences. Um, Go on their website, sign up for their email lists. uh, Just start reaching out to different companies and getting connected. Um, Our industry is very Instagram and Facebook forward. So please go on there um, and follow different companies and follow different uh, topics within our industry. There's a lot of hot topics going on right now. The more that you get out and connect people and let people know that, you know, you have the desire to work in this industry, Um, people will listen and they're going to want to work with you. The more you show up, the more reliable you are, the more noticed you'll become. And I think lastly, this industry is very small. So always your best to represent yourself in the best possible light. Um, it, It always surprises me uh, when I go to a meeting in Southern California or a meeting in Nevada, I never am in a room where I don't know someone that knows someone else that I know and love. <laughs> so the industry is very, very intimate that way, even on a national level um so just be be very careful about um you know who you who you say what to and put your best foot forward always absolutely. And that's very true.
0: It's very small industry. <laughs> um, so, thank before we end uh, this, thank you so much for everything that you've been able to tell us today. It's just been
2: yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you oh, do this.
0: I'm so glad that you took your time today. Thank you. um, do you have anything specific to promote or a call to action? I know I'm sure with all of the things you have going on, there's a list, but
2: uh, do you have anything? Yeah, I think right now, the most important thing that I'm really working on that's um, able to impact the most people is truly making donations to the NCIA political action committee. Um, and that's so easy to do. You just go on the National Cannabis Industry website um, and you'll find the link to make political or PAC donations, PAC or Political Action Committee donations. Um, please go on there. There's no donation that is too small. Every penny counts um, to give you a frame of reference in this past election in November. We made campaign donations to 21 different campaigns across the state. And at those 21, 17 of the uh, candidates that we supported were elected to office, um, which is a huge number, right? Thank you. Wow. Wow. So that's probably the most impactful way. Um, and then, you know, going out and letting people know that cannabis needs to stop being stigmatized. We need to stop judging people for using Absolutely. cannabis, that the medicinal ranges and benefits and even recreational range and benefits are, are so far reaching. And I would really like to encourage people to use their voice to share that in a way that's respectful and easy for other people to Mm -hmm. to listen to go out there and be voice. that's awesome i love it thank
0: you so much and please come back on anytime seriously
2: i would love to i'm so glad you guys are doing this and um i can't wait to see how the show grows for you thank you so much our next guest is abigail nath
0: Abigail is an award-winning writer with an immense knowledge of the cannabis industry. She's a business lawyer who understands cannabis licensing and program compliancy. In addition, she works as a project coordinator handling industry work from
1: application
0: drafting to business optimization.
1: So Abigail, I'm so excited that we're here talking today. Um, You are such an inspiration and you come kind of from my world. You're an attorney. And so why don't you tell us a little bit to, p- to give people a background about you? Um, you have a Nath Consulting. What exactly is that?
3: Yeah, that's it's a consulting firm. I started it by myself. Go figure. <laughs> um. Started it about about two years ago, um, just not quite, maybe about closer to a year and a half um, at this point. So, so fresh, really fresh to the industry in the grand scheme of things, um, came from a legal background. Um, I actually, um, I, I was working in a law firm. I was working in a law firm suing big pharma for a number of years. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So it was, it's, it was actually, it's kind of funny when you look back on your life and you realize like everything was leading up to this moment. Um, but of course (laughs) in those moments, you never realize like the grand scheme of things. Um, but it, it was really eye-opening for me. I did this for a number of years, and we had cases all over the U.S. of very, very common drugs um, that we were suing. They were still on the market. They were still being sold, um, and they were causing these debilitating health issues in patients. Um, that kind of spurred me into a more holistic pathways to health. Um, you know i i stopped kind of popping the tylenol every time i had a cramp and it just made me rethink simple things that i had that i had been doing and i actually i did that for for some time stepped away uh from the the big firm litigation life and went into a nonprofit <laughs> um, oh wow yeah, big so it was a big change It was still litigating though was actually in court probably more working for the nonprofit um because it was um, I was working with family court, abused and neglected children. A lot, a lot of these um, families fall apart because, again, of drugs produced by big pharma. So, completely different area of law, but still dealing with basically the same, um, the same, the same issues. Yeah, the same issues in general. Um, and I actually. Um, it was in court and it was happening a lot that my kids were being taken away from um, their grandparents or, um, you know, their, their father, their mother, because of positive THC tests. Um, Grandma, grandma had been smoking a joint, you know, CYF went in, smelled the marijuana. We tested grandma. She tested positive. We're going to take the kids away from her.
1: Wow. This was
3: something that really bothered me because grandma was the best case scenario. I mean, they weren't they weren't getting molested, abused, or neglected at grandma's, but yet grandma smoked a joint at night to, to relax, and of course, that's, that's illegal, and so the judge would, would immediately take them away. Um, and so I got, I got a little bit more outspoken against, um, you know, I, and, and I was an advocate at this point. Pennsylvania had already passed um, medicinal marijuana. These, and of course, in NPA, you can get a recommendation for medical marijuana if you are addicted to opioids, so all of these families who have these drug problems qualify for medical marijuana. Um, of course, we weren't telling them that. Um, maybe I was, <laughs> and so right. at that point, I, I I got fired from my job. They said, um, "You know, they said right. marijuana is a drug. You are you're advocating drug use. Um, you know, we have to let you go." And I was. It it was a big shock. I mean that that's a blow on your confidence um, because I, right. I really did like my job. I genuinely liked being there. I liked the work I did.
1: Um, well, you were helping people. I mean, that's wonderful.
3: Yeah, and that's what and that's what I loved about I. You know, you're you're in a law firm, and sometimes it doesn't feel like you're helping people in that scenario because it's very. I mean, law in general is adversarial, but. Um, you're you're just dealing with money when you're talking about any type of civil case. And so, how much money is this person's leg for? How much money is this is the death of their child worth? Um, and after a while wow. it's it it just becomes a little, a little numb, maybe, or you just it just doesn't feel important. So I was really looking to get involved and and that was it. It kind of it did that for me. It satisfied all everything I was looking for um, to kind of give back to my community, and then it it wasn't. It wasn't, but a few months into it, I mean, I wasn't at the job longer than six months before, you know, they they uncovered my oh um, my gosh, my advocacy so for upsetting. for marijuana, and so I was fired. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know, what else do you do when you're fired? Um, you start your own company, right? Right. Um, and that's and that's just how it began. Scared, little, nervous, fired. No confidence, me. You know, I didn't have any confidence at that point. I just lost every co- every bit of confidence I had um, by somebody right. telling me, you know, to to leave their building. And so, um, it was. Yeah, it was at that point that I I stepped into stepped into the consulting. Um, it was a few months after that that I ended up landing my first client, and then it was kind of just
2: well, snowball. Well, let's
1: talk. Let's talk in. a little bit about that because I don't think that people focus enough on that. So so you get fired, right? And you're losing, like you said, all your confidence. What, like, where did you find the strength to go, okay, I'm just going to put on my big girl boots and I'm going to start my own business.
3: Um, I think it came from, well, so for me, I have a great, um, just a great network of people and not everybody has that, but Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's not a lack of resources. It's just a lack of resourcefulness, so if you really if you really tapped in um, to everything you have around me, everything you have around you you know what what could you achieve um, and and for me that was kind of the turning point was um, just taking a step back and i, I did I invested into um I invested into a coach um, which which I thought was a business coach it turned out to be a little bit more of a life coach just because that's what I needed at the time um, and those those were big steps for me because it was. It wasn't necessarily funds that I, I did have. It was something that I had to take a step, take a risk in myself. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of the point that, that I reached
1: anyway. Did you feel your life coach really helped kind of get you on this track to the consulting business? Do you think that your life coach was, was money well spent for you?
3: I do. And, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything other than kind of just having somebody in your ear, you know telling you, telling you, you can do this (laughs) and telling you that, um, you know what I mean? Just, just whispering basically (laughs) those sweet nothings that you need to hear. Um, and it was, and not everybody needs that. Not everybody operates well off of that. Um, but it was definitely something I I just needed somebody to tell me like, straighten the hell out. Like you spend your days thinking that you can't do all this of course at the end of the night you're gonna feel like you can't do it because all right. day you're telling yourself you can't so just to have somebody to break that habit um, and to to make you stand up straight get in your power position and and you know scream out your intentions to the universe um, and it's silly stuff it's stuff that until I had hired her I had never um, even approached you know what I mean like that's right would I it's- why would I spend hours a day telling myself that I can do this? But it matters. And in the end, it really, really does. um,
1: It does matter. I think as women too, we're we're like always just, oh, well, you know, oh, I'm just not as good as them. Oh, well. And it, it really takes its toll. So I love hearing that you, that, that kind of reinforcement, positive reinforcement really worked for you through a life coach. I mean, I think that's really, Important. So, so here you are. Then you start your consulting. So, why consulting in the marijuana space? What Um, was it? The fire?
3: It was. So, I've always been, um, always been a a user. Um, Hi, mom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've always been through (laughs) high school. It really, um, I, I I think, like so many others, mental health was a was an was an issue for me In, in high school. It was a it was a difficult time. I don't know if I. Um, would have gotten through the way I did if it wasn't, you know what I mean, if it wasn't for cannabis. So I've always, um, and it's always been kind of a bonding thing, um, you know what I mean, with with mm-hmm. with my friends or the people, you know what I mean, you, you hang out with. And it was all, it was kind of something that, you know, you look forward to after a hard day. Like some people look forward to the beer and I would look forward to, you know what I mean, sitting down with yeah. a friend and, and just decompressing. Um, so it's certainly always been my lifestyle. And I, so it was, So when it came to PA and of course the rest, you know, when you're in your own state and it's, and it's illegal and people are getting arrested for it, you forget that in other States it's a free enterprise market and that people are making money off of it. Um, So I had been to Colorado and I knew that, but I had never thought of it as an industry for me because I live in Pennsylvania and it's, and it's illegal in my state. Um, So once medicinal passed, and of course I'm a lawyer and I'm, you know, and I had I just recently got fired. I think it, it was an email. It was an email for um, a CLE, which is continuing legal education credit. Um, and it was, um, like learn about, learn about legal cannabis in, in Pennsylvania. And I, you know, and that was, that was all it took to spark it. And I'm like, I'm a lawyer. I can, you know, I could learn this. I could, I've already used it. I already, I already love it. Um, and then I realized that I didn't, you know, then I became a patient of the program. So now I can be actually outspoken about it. I'm not, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't feel threatened because I do it legally. Um, but it was just, it kind of almost was like a natural step. And now, you know, looking back, you're like, of course I belong in this community. I'm I'm a rebel. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> I get along with these women. And so it was really like, once I jumped in, I was like this this has been kind of the home that I've been that I've been looking for that I never had in the law firm because, you know what I mean? I'm I'm I don't like to play by the rules. I I like to I like to stand out, um, and so.
1: It, well, it's not a nurturing place either to be in a in a corporate law firm that is not nurturing at all. Um, so yeah, I it this is a great step. So so tell me about the services that you offer. So, in your consulting business, what what do you offer to people like me?
3: Yeah, so I we work with um, businesses to open plant touching facilities. Um, is really our um, the main the main bread and butter. Um, most common projects are are merit based applications. Um, a lot of the East Coast states are still um, still medicinal, and it's very competitive. Um, so, at, out and you know, out on the West Coast, you have. Um, you know, just, it's open, you apply. And, you know, as long as you have so many, you know, as long as you have what they're looking for, you can get a license. Um, mm-hmm. But in in other states, it's, it's very, very competitive. They only give out so many. I mean, usually it's just a fraction of all the people that, that apply. Right. Um, so any type of plant touching facility, you know, they, they need a license for. And so we help them help them write the project because I am um you know that a single founder i do I do have a team of people around me, but we usually work with companies that um, that really want want us on their team kind of want us to hold their hand and walk them through every single phase um so it's much more a team effort than some of the other larger consulting firms that um, they're hired on just to produce the work and hand it over um, and right. there's nothing wrong with that businesses need that, but businesses you know there's a lot of startups. Um, a lot of I, I call them my hometown heroes, um, so they're they're just they're mom and pops, and maybe they have opened a few other stores. Um, you know what I mean? They, they're entrepreneurial, um, and they they want to get involved into this space. And there's certainly a place in the market for those people. Um, there's a place in the market for you know for for everybody for these big companies. Um, it's, it's unavoidable. We need the money in the market, um, but we also I also like to see these these small guys, uh, you know, carving out their chunk um, and you know, and, and progressing, progressing the oh, industry that way.
1: Definitely. I mean, and it's, I, I love hearing you say that you support those businesses because we really need to make sure that we run the industry, like the wine industry and the beer industry where the artisan producers, the craft producers aren't pushed out by the Budweiser's or the Gallo wines. You know, we want right. to make sure that they are, are supported and that they have, um, a place here, and which of course they do. I'd rather shop with mom and pop than I would the great big guys, but that's my personal choice. So hey, so let's talk a little bit. Like, how did you get your first client? So you've got this consulting business. You're like, yay, hey, I've got my little shingle up. So now, how do you yeah. get your first client?
3: So my um, talk about like you know faking it till you make it. I was so I had launched my consulting firm. Of course, I wasn't making money off of cannabis yet, so I was. Um, doing doc review and if you're not familiar with legal terms and you're not familiar with doc review it was it was like a temp agency essentially they put us in a dark room with no windows and you just stare at a computer screen all day and go through um paper after paper after paper looking for basically one specific thing to flag on you know what i mean a a huge multi-million dollar lawsuit Getting getting paid maybe twenty five dollars an hour maybe probably Ouch. not, even. <laughs> oh. um. But that's you know what I mean. I needed money, and that was the only thing that would allow me to also pursue consulting on the side because I didn't have to sign any sort of, um. You know what I mean that i that I wouldn't you know a lot of people that do doc
2: review, or anything yeah, yeah. yeah
3: a lot of people that do doc review also have their own firms and so um. But it's funny because I was also with a lot of a lot of law school students because you don't actually need a um to be licensed to do doc review. So, um, you know, and everybody has their own stories of why they're there. (laughs) And so anyway, I was, and I was sneaking out of the room, you know what I mean? Every, you know, every hour or so to make a call, to pitch myself, to do whatever. Um, and then one of those calls just went, just went well. Um, and I actually, um, Ted Daniels, who does—he's a big name in the industry. A lot of people hire him to do securities, and he's an expert in security. Um, he actually reached out to me and said, and just just on social media—I mean, just by putting myself out there—he saw that and said, "Hey, um, I you know I see what you're saying, I see what you're doing, I like it. I'm having a seminar. Do you want to come speak?" Um, oh so my I God! Did, how wonderful. Yeah, so so I drove across the state. I spoke at that seminar. Um, there was a client there who who was opening. They needed somebody to write their application, and and I ended up landing landing that one. Um, and then immediately had to had to quit the doc review because I think we had something like six weeks to put the entire application together. Um, so it happened. It happened just like that. Like from. You know, and it's it's so funny because one day you're thinking, "I'm never going to do this." Who else, who is ever going to you know what I mean? want me? Right. Who's going to trust me? I'm I, I'm new to this, and then you know the next day it's like, "Oh, of course somebody wants me. Of course I can do this." <laughs> so you know, so it's it's one phone call that can change everything. Sometimes, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But you never. I mean, you always got to keep your head in the game because it can change like that. Um, oh, and so no, that doubt. Was, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. So I'm forever grateful to Ted. I he's he's always my go-to now for security because um, he's he he does amazing work. Number one, Um, he's got a lot a ton of winning applications under his belt. um, And number two, because he lifts up other people in the industry, and I'm all for that. um, For for you know what I mean, giving people a shot and allowing newcomers in the industry. And not everybody wants to do that. Some people. No. Excuse me. Some people, cannabis is theirs almost, you know what I mean? They've been doing it right. longer. They want it. Um, and it's, but there's no shortage of success is what there I would say. Um,
1: there isn't. And so it, it's, something that we can all go have. Around. So yeah,
3: like, definitely. And I've, I have vowed to lift others up just as, as he's done for me. So I get a lot of people, um, I want to be in the industry. What can I do? And I'm always, I'm always happy to point them on the right direction or give them resources, invite them to the to the groups that can't be advertised. Right. Because
1: it's expensive. I mean, and, and it's really hard because there isn't one periodical that can hit everybody, you know? So right, it's so just all over the place. Where do you put your money and make it count? And that's, you know, something for another day. But I want to ask you, so do you do business on the West Coast at all? Or is it just business on the East Coast?
3: Um, I do do um, consulting out West too a bit. Um, I haven't had any full full applications on the West Coast yet. And I the the process to me, so I'm all about kind of staying in my lane. Um, so when, I, when people ask me about, about what California- it, What does that
1: mean? So explain what <laughs> staying in your lane means. I love that so I phrase. Have,
3: I have- I have my skill set, um, and it's and it's so tempting in this industry when you have your skill set and you know what you can do and you know what you're good at. Um, but then you know something up something comes in the peripheral of uh, you know some something else that may not be it's not really what you do, but there's money in it, um, and it's and it's a distraction a lot of times because then you're then you're pulled towards that way and you're thinking oh I, I can do this too, um, you know I can also you know somebody might need uh, consulting for facility design, let's say, okay, I've seen, I've seen facility designs. I've been a part of it before. I know, you know, the good way a facility should function. They're going to pay me, you know, a few thousand dollars to do it, but am I the best person for the job? And is that in the end of the day going to advance me towards my goals or is it just going to be a distraction? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important. It's been important for me to, to pick and choose, the situations I get my time involved with, because we only have so much time, um, and if and if at the end of the day I'm I'm spending my time doing something that isn't in isn't in my wheelhouse, I'm really doing a disadvantage to myself and to my and to my client. You know what I mean? So right, um, I've and i found that on the West Coast, um, especially in California, where you know the rules just just changed again um, and just were released. There's so many people um, that I've talked to that that's all they do is operate in California and you, you know, you can make a business out of that. So anytime I do get a client in California, I'm, I'm always teaming up. If I'm, if I'm staying involved with it at all, I'm teaming up with, um, usually a bigger consulting firm that really has, um, really has a good handle on specifically the California market. Um, right. and, and so it's, and it's, it's hard sometimes to know, do I trust myself doing this? Um, but California has been one state that, um, I've been, I've, I've been a little timid maybe, right. and maybe that's something that I need to, that I need to just get more confident on. Um, but it certainly is a very specific market and I, and I don't want to do my clients a disservice by, by taking on something that I'm not the best person for the job for.
1: Right. I mean, California just seems to be a mess right now with all the changing um, regulations. I know they just came out with some more permanent ones. So hopefully that'll help calm things down. So um, one other thing I wanted to ask you is that as a woman entrepreneur, how do you juggle everything? Because I know you're so busy. Like you said, you do have some staff, but it mostly lays on you. So, how do you how do you juggle everything and then not just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so depleted at the end of the day? And how do I even get up to do this all over again?
3: <laughs> I'll tell you when I find out. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think, and I mean that the support system is so is has been most important. And I think that's one thing that the commu- the cannabis community especially is amazing at. Um, and, and maybe it is because I, I sur- I've made it a point to surround myself with like-minded individuals um, but really really reaching out number one, reaching out when you need it mm-hmm. um, and i'm I've never been hesitant to do that i I love talking about my problems. <laughs> so anybody that'll listen, I, I will decompress <laughs> I will decompress that way. I will decompress by by venting um, and I don't think you can discount that um, when you need to talk and if anybody ever needs to talk they can call me because (laughs) I I will listen because I've certainly have wonderful people in my life who have, who have been that ear for me. Um,
1: But to really, uh, I mean,
3: Well, I think that's great
1: advice. You know, we don't think to do that. We don't, we don't like a lot of women. We don't want to be like, Oh, I don't want to complain. Oh, they've got their own problems. But really that is so cathartic.
3: And, and yeah, and, and just being, um, like networking and a lot of my network has been through Facebook, um, just, and so it's cool when you actually get to go to events and you meet people in person that for so long, you've been supporting each other digitally. And now, uh, you know, you already know that person. And so when the first time you meet them, you give them a huge hug because you're just so grateful for their support. Um, but, but I really have to, like kind of speaking of like staying in your lane, um, and, and keep staying focused mm-hmm. on what's what's right in front of you, um, you know, know your goals, and I'm I think that being goal oriented that's something that I've got from from my coaching was to and and a quote that she told me was that you know most people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in ten years. Um, yeah. So take you know take those ten year goals, split them into you know five year, yearly, weekly, daily, and just to make sure every day you're moving that that needle closer to where you want to be. And you know usually the worst days are when you've been so busy but you feel like you've you haven't moved anything. Um, and so a lot of times those. And I think we have both had those days where at the end of the day, you're exhausted, but it's a good exhaustion because you know, you've, you've progressed so much and you've gotten so much done. And then there's other days where it's like, I've not had nothing done today. I, you know what I mean? The second I sat down to do my work, you know, my, my, my kid needs me or my dog pukes or whatever it (laughs) may be. We all have these other things going on. Um, but staying focused on your goals has been something huge for me. Um, and also not letting, I mean, my health, and kind of go, you know, go down the drain. Um, It's easy enough to write off the gym when you have a project due or you have, you know what I mean, a, a client that's demanding the work yesterday. Um, But if you can find those 20 minutes just to to exercise, usually, you know, that break causes the next few hours to go even smoother.
1: Um, I support that 100%. Yeah. I think that without Nutrition and without exercise. And I'm really bad because I get up and I start working, but I have to force myself to go because I tore my meniscus and I was really surprised. Mm -hmm. But it was because I'm sitting too much now. You know, before in my previous life, I was always moving, 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 moving. And when you have your own business, you find yourself hunkered down over the computer, doing social media, Mm -hmm. doing this, doing that. And it's really. Really has negative effects on your body, so yeah, that's great advice, fantastic advice. So, um, do you have anything that you want to promote or a call to action for women out there that are listening and men? Um, I, men listen to.
3: Yeah, um, I actually I'm um, a volunteer director for a group called the Medical Cannabis Society, um, and we're launching um, a physician directory project next week in the state of Pennsylvania. Looking for volunteers all over. Uh, the goal is to comprise a, a comprehensible, a comprehensive searchable database, free for patients and physicians, that patients can can find the doctors that they need, um, especially especially mothers who mm-hmm. are looking for doctors uh, for their children um, with different types of ailments. Um, I've I've talked to a lot of moms who you know, their kid may need a, um, you know, a, a pediatric oncologist who recommends medical marijuana in their state. That's extremely hard to find. Right. Um, and so we're, we're trying to put this database together to make it easier for people to come to, you know, to their medical marijuana recommendation. And whether it's a doctor that, that stays with them to work with them, which is harder to find than a doctor that will just prescribe and then kind of bounce out of the situation. There, they just they want to write the recommendation and then they, they don't necessarily want to monitor the patient. Right. Um, right. But we de- We need we need volunteers. So <laughs> if anybody, if that you know if that piques anybody's interest, um, it's a project we're um, we're just launching. Uh, we've we've been doing it for a year. Um, about a year now, but we're we're launching the actual boots on the ground work now, um, and I'm really excited about it. It should be it should be a great asset to the state of Pennsylvania, and then hopefully to to go to the next state to have this. Um, there are certainly um, directories out there, but they're all pay to play. Um, right. they aggressively market um, to the physicians to to pay them, and and so this is really I mean it's it's 100% nonprofit. Um, and it's all from the community, um, and that's why I just love my cannabis community. They're some of the greatest people I've ever met have been you know, through my work in this industry, and I will forever be grateful to this industry for, for giving me a home that I feel like I can flourish in finally.
1: Oh, that's so nice. And you know what, I think that that's a great project you're working on. So if any of our listeners, if you, if you have a doctor that's supportive of um, medical marijuana and is helping you, I think that they should reach out to you and just so you can even start getting that database for going further. Because to have that kind of a, a directory nationwide for people who, because um, even if you're in an illegal state, that doesn't mean your doctor is completely against cannabis therapy. And it's always good yeah, it's to true. to start that conversation. Um, I have friends in Utah and before even Utah went legal, um, one of them is going through cancer and his doctor, you know, a lot of the oncologists are a little more supportive of cannabis sure. therapy than pediatricians necessarily. Um, pediatricians I think are scared because they could get in a lot of trouble as you experienced yeah. when you got fired. Um, so yeah, but keep that in the back of everyone's head. And if you're in Pennsylvania and you have a really great doctor- contact Abigail. So Abigail, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. You're such an inspiration for women out there listening. I know for me, you're an inspiration. I loved hearing everything you said and always that great reminder, get out and exercise because this morning I got up at six and I haven't got off my, this chair. So <laughs> I gotta, I'm going to yeah, listen to your advice and practice it.
3: Right. That's that's my <laughs> advice. Whether or not I practice it is something else. So <laughs> just uh, I'm the first one to make the excuse. So, you know, I've got I'm too busy. But the last two days I've I've done I've done my three miles on the elliptical. Oh so. good
2: girl. You go know, girl.
3: Pat on the back. Pat <laughs> on the back.
1: <laughs> All right, Abigail. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Highness podcast. If you would like to be featured in a future episode or would like to inquire about possible sponsorship, Email Your Highness podcast at gmail.com. That's Your Highness podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast. That's at Podcast. Thanks again.